Section 19 of Journal of a Residence on a Georgian Plantation, 1838 to 1839. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Journal of a Residence on a Georgian Plantation, 1838 to 1839. By Francis Ann Kimball. Section 19. Dear E. This letter has remained unfinished, and my journal interrupted for more than a week. Mr. Blank has been quite unwell, and I have been travelling to and fro daily between Hampton and the Rice Island in the longboat to visit him. For the last three days I have remained at the latter place, and only returned here this morning early. My daily voyages up and down the river have introduced me to a great variety of new musical performances of our boatmen who invariably when the rowing is not too hard moving up or down with the tide accompany the stroke of their oars with the sound of their voices i told you formerly that i thought i could trace distinctly some popular national melody with which i was familiar in almost all their songs but i have been quite at a loss to discover any such foundation for many that i have heard lately and which have appeared to me extraordinarily wild and unaccountable the way in which the chorus strikes in with the burthen between each phrase of the melody chanted by a single voice is very curious and effective especially with the rhythm of the rowlocks for accompaniment the high voices all in unison and the admirable time and true accent with which their responses are made always make me wish that some great musical composer could hear these semi-savage performances with a very little skilful adaptation and instrumentation i think one or two barbaric chants and choruses might be evoked from them that would make the fortune of an opera the only exception that i have met with yet among our boat voices to the high tenor which they seem all to possess is in the person of an individual named isaac a basso profondo of the deepest dye who nevertheless never attempts to produce with his different register any different effects in the chorus by venturing a second but sings like the rest in unison perfect unison of both time and tune by the by this individual does speak and therefore i presume he is not an ape orangutan chimpanzee or gorilla but i could not i confess have conceived it possible that the presence of articulate sounds and the absence of an articulate tail should make externally at least so completely the only appreciable difference between a man and a monkey as they appear to do in this individual black brother such stupendous long thin hands and long flat feet i did never see off a large quadruped of the ape species but as i said before isaac speaks and i am much comforted thereby you cannot think to return to the songs of my boatmen how strange some of their words are in one they repeatedly chanted the sentiment that god made man and man makes what do you think money is not that a peculiar poetical proposition another ditty to which they frequently treat me they call caesar's song it is an extremely spirited war song beginning the trumpets blow the bugles sound oh stand your ground it has puzzled me not a little to determine in my own mind whether this title of caesar's song has any reference to the great julius and if so 
what may be the negro notion of him and whence and how derived one of their songs displeased me not a little for it embodied the opinion that twenty-six black girls not make me lot a yellow girl and as i told them i did not like it they have omitted it since this desperate tendency to despise and undervalue their own race and color which is one of the very worst results of their abject condition is intolerable to me while rowing up and down the broad waters of the altamaha to the music of these curious chants i have been reading mr moore's speech about the abolition of slavery in the district of columbia and i confess i think his the only defensible position yet taken and the only consistent argument yet used in any of the speeches i have hitherto seen upon the subject i have now settled down at hampton again mr blank is quite recovered and is coming down here in a day or two for change of air it is getting too late for him to stay on the rice plantation even in the day i think you cannot imagine anything so exquisite as the perfect curtains of yellow jasmine with which this whole island is draped and as the boat comes sweeping down towards the point the fragrance from the thickets hung with their golden garlands greets one before one can distinguish them it is really enchanting i have now to tell you of my hallowing last sunday by gathering a congregation of the people into my big sitting-room and reading prayers to them i had been wishing very much to do this for some time past and obtained mr blank's leave while i was with him at the rice island and it was a great pleasure to me some of the people are allowed to go up to darien once a month to church but with that exception they have no religious service on sunday whatever for them there is a church on the island of st simon but they are forbidden to frequent it as it leads them off their own through neighboring plantations and gives opportunities for meetings between the negroes of the different estates and very likely was made the occasion of abuses and objectionable practices of various kinds at any rate mr forbade the hampton slaves resorting to the st simon's church and so for three sundays in the month they are utterly without christian worship or teaching or any religious observance of god's day whatever i was very anxious that it should not be thought that i ordered any of the people to come to prayers as i particularly desired to see if they themselves felt the want of any sabbath service and would of their own accord join in any such ceremony i therefore merely told the house servants that if they would come to the sitting-room at eleven o'clock i would read prayers to them and that they might tell any of their friends or any of the people that i should be very glad to see them if they liked to come accordingly most of those who live at the point i e in the immediate neighborhood of the house came and it was encouraging to see the very decided efforts at cleanliness and decorum of attire which they had all made i was very much affected and impressed myself by what i was doing and i suppose must have communicated some of my own feeling to those who heard me it is an extremely solemn thing to me to read the scriptures aloud to any one and there was something in my relation to the poor people by whom i was surrounded that touched me so deeply while thus attempting to share with them the best of my possessions that i found it difficult to command my voice and had to stop several times in order to do so when i had done they all with one accord uttered the simple words we thank you missus and instead of overwhelming me as usual with petitions and complaints 
they rose silently and quietly in a manner that would have become the most orderly of christian congregations accustomed to all the impressive decorum of civilized church privileges poor people they are said to have what a very irreligious young english clergyman once informed me i had a turn for religion they seem to me to have a turn for instinctive good manners too and certainly their mode of withdrawing from my room after our prayers bespoke either a strong feeling of their own or a keen appreciation of mine i have resumed my explorations in the woods with renewed enthusiasm for during my week's absence they have become more lovely and enticing than ever unluckily however jack seems to think that fresh rattlesnakes have budded together with the tender spring foliage and i see that i shall either have to give up my wood walks and rides or go without a guide lovely blossoms are springing up everywhere weeds of course wild things impertinently so called nothing is cultivated here but cotton but in some of the cotton fields beautiful creatures are peeping into blossom which i suppose will all be duly hoed off the surface of the soil in proper season meantime i rejoice in them and in the splendid magnificent thistles which would be in flower gardens in other parts of the world and in the wonderful strange beautiful butterflies that seem to me almost as big as birds that go zigzagging in the sun i saw yesterday a lovely monster who thought proper for my greater delectation to alight on a thistle i was admiring and as the flower was purple and he was all black velvet fringed with gold i was exceedingly pleased with his good inspiration this morning i drove up to the settlement at st annie's having various bundles of benefaction to carry in the only equipage my estate here affords an exceedingly small rough and uncomfortable cart called the sick-house wagon inasmuch as it is used to convey to the hospital such of the poor people as are too ill to walk there its tender mercies must be terrible indeed for the sick for i who am sound could very hardly abide them however i suppose montreal's pace is moderated for them to-day he went rollicking along with us behind him shaking his fine head and mane as if he thought the more we were jolted the better we should like it we found on trying to go on to cartwright's point that the state of the tide would not admit of our getting thither and so had to return leaving it unvisited it seems to me strange that where the labor of so many hands might be commanded piers and wharves and causeways are not thrown out wooden ones of course i mean wherever the common traffic to or from different parts of the plantation is thus impeded by the daily rise and fall of the river the trouble and expense would be nothing and the gain and convenience very considerable however perhaps the nature of the tides and of the banks and shores themselves may not be propitious for such constructions and i rather incline upon reflection to think that this may be so because to go from hampton to our neighbor mr blank's plantation it is necessary to consult the tide in order to land conveniently driving home to-day by jones's creek we saw an immovable row of white cranes all standing with imperturbable gravity upon one leg i thought of boccaccio's cook and had a mind to say ha at them to try if they had two i have been over to mr blank and was very much pleased with my visit but will tell you of it in my next dear e i promised to tell you of my visit to my neighbor mr blank 
which pleased and interested me very much. He is an old Glasgow man, who has been settled here many years. It is curious how many of the people round this neighborhood have Scotch names. It seems strange to find them thus gathered in the vicinity of a new Darien. But those in our immediate neighborhood seem to have found it a far less fatal region than their countrymen did its namesake of the Isthmus. Mr. Blank's house is a roomy, comfortable, handsomely laid-out mansion, to which he received me with very cordial kindness, and where I spent part of a very pleasant morning, talking with him, hearing all he could tell me of the former history of Mr. Blank's plantation. His description of its former master, old Major Blank, and of his agent and overseer Mr. Blank, and of that gentleman's worthy son and successor, the late overseer, interested me very much. Of the two latter functionaries, his account was terrible, and much what I had supposed any impartial account of them would be. Because, let the propensity to lying of the poor wretched slaves be what it will, they could not invent, with a common consent, the things that they one and all tell me with reference to the manner in which they have been treated by the man who has just left the estate, and his father who for the last nineteen years have been sole sovereigns of their bodies and souls. The crops have satisfied the demands of the owners, who, living in Philadelphia, have been perfectly contented to receive a large income from their estate without apparently caring how it was earned. The stories that the poor people tell me of the cruel tyranny under which they have lived are not complaints, for they are of things past and gone, and very often, horridly, as they shock and affect me, they themselves seem hardly more than half conscious of the misery their condition exhibits to me, and they speak of things which I shudder to hear of, almost as if they had been matters of course with them. Old Mr. Blank spoke with extreme kindness of his own people, and had evidently bestowed much humane and benevolent pains upon endeavors to better their condition. I asked him if he did not think the soil and climate of this part of Georgia admirably suited to the cultivation of the mulberry and the rearing of the silkworm. For it has appeared to me that hereafter silk may be made one of the most profitable products of this whole region. He said that that had long been his opinion, and he had at one time had it much at heart to try the experiment, and had proposed to Major Blank to join him in it, on a scale large enough to test it satisfactorily. But he said Mr. Blank opposed the scheme so persistently that of course it was impossible to carry it out, as his agency and cooperation were indispensable, and that in like manner he had suggested sowing turnip crops and planting peach trees for the benefit and use of the people on the Hampton estate experiments which he had tried with excellent success on his own. But all these plans for the amelioration and progress of the people's physical condition had been obstructed and finally put entirely aside by old Mr. Blank and his son, who, as Mr. Blank said, appeared to give satisfaction to their employers, so it was not his business to find fault with them. He said, however, that the whole condition and treatment of the slaves had changed from the time of Major Blank's death, and that he thought it providential for the poor people that Mr. Blank should have left the estate, and the young gentleman, the present owner, come down to look after the people. He showed me his garden from whence come the beautiful vegetables he had more than once supplied me with. In the midst of it was a very fine and flourishing date-palm tree, which he said bore its fruit as prosperously here as it would in Asia. 
after the garden we visited a charming nicely kept poultry yard and i returned home much delighted with my visit and the kind good humour of my host in the afternoon i sat as usual at the receipt of custom hearing of aches and pains till i ached myself sympathetically from head to foot yesterday morning dear e i went on horseback to st annie's exploring on my way some beautiful woods and in the afternoon i returned thither in a wood-wagon with jack to drive and a mule to draw me montreal being quite beyond his management and then and there the hatchet and saw being in company i compelled my slave jack all the rattlesnakes in creation to the contrary notwithstanding to cut and clear away for my chariot through the charming copse my letter has been lying unfinished for the last three days i have been extraordinarily busy having emancipated myself from the trammels of jack and all his terror and as i fear no serpents on horseback have been daily riding through new patches of woodland without any guide taking my chance of what i might come to in the shape of impediments last tuesday i rode through a whole wood of burned and charred trees cypresses and oaks that looked as if they had been each of them blasted by a special thunderbolt and whole thickets of young trees and shrubs perfectly black and brittle from the effect of fire i suppose the result of some carelessness of the slaves as this charcoal woodland extended for some distance i turned out of it and round the main road through the plantation as i could not ride through the blackened boughs and branches without getting begrimed it had a strange wild desolate effect not without a certain gloomy picturesqueness in the afternoon i made israel drive me through jack's new-made path to break it down and open it still more and montreal's powerful trampling did good service to that effect though he did not seem to relish the narrow wood road with its grass path by any means as much as the open way of what may be called the high road after this operation i went on to visit the people at the Busen hill settlement i here found among other noteworthy individuals a female named judy whose two children belong to an individual called not punch but joe who has another wife called mary at the rice island in one of the huts i went to leave some flannel and rice and sugar for a poor old creature called nancy to whom i had promised such indulgences she is exceedingly infirm and miserable suffering from sore limbs and an ulcerated leg so cruelly that she can hardly find rest in any position from the constant pain she endures and is quite unable to lie on her hard bed at night as i bent over her to-day trying to prop her into some posture where she might find some ease she took hold of my hand and with the tears streaming over her face said i have worked every day through dew damp and sand and heat and done good work but all oh, missus me old and broken now no tongue can tell how much i suffer in spite of their curious thick utterance and comical jargon these people sometimes use wonderfully striking and pathetic forms of speech in the next cabin which consisted of an enclosure called by courtesy a room certainly not ten feet square and owned by a woman called dice that is not owned of course but inhabited by her three grown-up human beings and eight children stow themselves by day and night which may be called close packing i think i presume that they must take turns to be inside and outside the house but they did not make any complaint about it 
though i should think the aspect of my countenance as i surveyed their abode and heard their numbers might have given them a hint to that effect but i really do find these poor creatures patient of so much misery that it inclines me the more to heed as well as hear their petitions and complaints when they bring them to me after my return home i had my usual evening reception and among other pleasant incidents of plantation life heard the following agreeable anecdote from a woman named sophie who came to beg for some rice in asking her about her husband and children she said she had never had any husband that she had had two children by a white man of the name of walker who was employed at the mill on the rice island she was in the hospital after the birth of the second child she bore this man and at the same time two women judy and scylla of whose children mr blank was the father were recovering from their confinements it was not a month since any of them had been delivered when mrs blank came to the hospital had them all three severely flogged a process which she personally superintended and then sent them to five pound the swamp botany bay of the plantation of which i have told you with further orders to the drivers to flog them every day for a week now e if i make you sick with these disgusting stories i cannot help it they are the life itself here hitherto i have thought these details intolerable enough but this apparition of a female fiend in the middle of this hell i confess adds an element of cruelty which seems to me to surpass all the rest jealousy is not an uncommon quality in the feminine temperament and just conceive the fate of these unfortunate women between the passions of their masters and mistresses each alike armed with power to oppress and torture them sophie went on to say that isaac was her son by driver morris who had forced her while she was in her miserable exile at five pound almost beyond my patience with this string of detestable details i exclaimed foolishly enough heaven knows ah but don't you know did nobody ever tell or teach any of you that it is a sin to live with men who are not your husbands alas e what could the poor creature answer but what she did seizing me at the same time vehemently by the wrist oh yes missus we know we know all about that well enough but we do anything to get our poor flesh some rest from the whip when it made me follow him into the bush what use me tell him no he have strength to make me I have written down the woman's words. I wish I could write down the voice and look of abject misery with which they were spoken. Now, you will observe that the story was not told to me as a complaint. It was a thing long past and over, of which she only spoke in the natural course of accounting for her children to me. I make no comment. What need? Or can I add to such stories? But how is such a state of things to endure? And again, how is it to end while i was pondering as it seemed to me at the very bottom of the slough of despond on this miserable creature's story another woman came in Tema, carrying in her arms a child the image of the mulatto bran she came to beg for flannel i asked her who was her husband she said she was not married her child is the child of bricklayer temple who has a wife at the rice island by this time what do you think of the moralities as well as the amenities of slave life these are the conditions which can only be known to one who lives among them flagrant acts of cruelty may be rare 
but this ineffable state of utter degradation this really beastly existence is the normal condition of these men and women and of that no one seems to take heed nor have i ever heard it described so as to form any adequate conception of it till i found myself plunged into it where and how is one to begin the cleansing of this horrid pestilential emendezio of an existence end of section nineteen recording by james k white chula vista